so I thought, you know, we need to make this whole day kind of focused on, on missions and thinking about our, our role in missions. And part of that was great for me. It's, I'm off the hook. I don't have to study. I can take a couple of days, which was good because I was, I've been down with something the last couple of days. And all the way until 10 o'clock last night, and I, I made a mistake. I opened up Isaiah chapter 40. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd like you to do that right now. I want to read to you Isaiah 40, the first 11 verses. I need to show you something, share something with you, and then we'll move on and have the different groups come up and, and share this morning. And I think it'll be a very special day for us. Isaiah chapter 40. First verse. Comfort, oh comfort, my people says your God. Speak kindly to Jerusalem and call out to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity has been removed, that she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Let's just pause there. Father, I ask that you would bless this time this morning, not just the words that come out of my mouth, Lord, but would you bless your word to our hearts. And would you focus us, Lord, throughout the rest of our time together this morning on why we're here, on what this is all about, on what our part is in it. May we never overlook that or underestimate, Lord, what you have called each one of us to be a part of. And what you have called this fellowship to be a part of, Lord. I pray that we will stay true to the mission, that we will be found faithful. And Lord, that uh, when you come you will be pleased with your servants. We truly are bond servants of Jesus Christ. This is, this is where we want to be. This is what we have chosen. And we love you and pray the power of your Spirit to do what you've called us to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why is it that you Christians are so persistent with your message? I've heard this before. Why don't you just live and let live? Why among all the religions of the world do you Christians not just shut up? You keep bringing your message. And it's not the Islamic message, which is many times convert or die, be like we are. It's not the secular Jewish message that I actually heard this last time we were in Israel. And that's the message that, you know, you can believe any Messiah you want. Just keep the Jewish traditions. Keep the law. You can believe in any Messiah you want to out there. It doesn't really matter. That doesn't really make a difference. As long as you keep Jewish custom. But you Christians, you just keep persisting on this this gospel thing. And Jesus told us why. Matthew 28, verse 18, He said, All authority has been given to Me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He says, go, therefore. The the word go in the Greek there, it's as you're going. As you're living your life. Wherever you go, whatever you do, take the message of the Gospel with you. That's why we're here. We are not here for any other purpose. We get distracted and sidetracked by all of our our business and our work and our family life. But gang, the reason we're here is that as we are going, we take the message of the Gospel of Jesus with us. To all nations. It's the singular mandate 
The commission of our king. Now as Isaiah comes flooding in, Isaiah chapter 40 comes flooding in with the message of comfort. And you will notice from this point on in the book of Isaiah, a great change in the, in the message of the, of the prophet. In the words that he brings, it is all about comfort. From here on out, through chapter 66, it is all about comfort and consolation. In fact, this latter section of the book has been called the book of consolations. We've seen the book of Emmanuel, we've read the book of burdens, the book of woes, and now we are in this place of consolation or comfort. He begins, the very first thing he says is, be comforted. And this is not Isaiah, this is Jesus speaking. Be comforted. Be comforted, my people, says your God. The word be comforted, Naham in Hebrew, is God's word for His people. This is a singular word. And it it coincides with the Gospel. It is at the very heart of the Gospel of Jesus. It's God's Word for His people. And when I say God's Word for His people, I mean Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the triunity of God, all that He is, His entire character, nature, and being, all three personalities as expressed in the Scripture, speak comfort to His people. Do you realize in the New Testament, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all three are called comforter? Not just the Holy Spirit. God the Father, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and God of all comfort. That's what God is called, God the Father. Amen. And you know the Holy Spirit, John 14, 16. Jesus said, I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter. Some translations say helper. Comforter, that He may abide with you forever. And so we refer to the Holy Spirit as the Comforter. But what about Jesus? Is He ever referred to or called our Comforter? And I believe He is. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. And if any may sin, we have an Advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the Righteous. The word advocate there that John uses is the same word used to describe the Father in 2 Corinthians 1.3 and the Spirit in John 14.6. It is the parakletos. The paraclete. Our advocate, Jesus Christ. Our comforter, Jesus Christ. Our comforter, the Spirit. Our comforter, the Father. He is truly the God of all comfort. And again, comfort is at the core of the good news. Look at verse 3. A voice is calling, clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Now usually the prophet sees visions, Isaiah does. But this time he hears a voice. In fact, he hears none other than the voice of John the Baptist. A voice crying in the wilderness. Matthew chapter 3 verse 1 says, In those days John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is the one referred to by Isaiah the prophet, when he said, quote, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ready the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. And so as Isaiah chapter 40 verse 3 is presented before us, we are about to, we should expect to, head right into the gospel. Because John the Baptist precedes the Gospel, right? John the Baptist comes making a way straight. A voice crying out in the wilderness. And he precedes Jesus who comes on the scene. Jesus who brings the Gospel of all comfort. This is marvelous to me. Watch this in verse 4. Let every valley be lifted up. And every mountain and hill be made low. 
and let the rough ground become a plain and the rugged terrain a broad valley. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all flesh will see together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. John tells us in John chapter 1 verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we saw, we saw his glory. His glory will be revealed, the prophet said. Following this voice in the wilderness, the glory of God would be revealed in this person. And John says, we saw his glory. Glory is of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And my friends, his glory was seen at the transfiguration. His glory was seen in his resurrection. His glory was seen in his ascension. And His glory was seen at His revelation when He appeared to John, revealed in all of His glory, Jesus coming as He will come in His kingdom. John saw that. And so John rightly says, we have seen His glory. So the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, and then you will see His glory. Verse 6, a voice says, call out. And then He answered, what shall I call out? All flesh is grass. And all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our God stands forever. Now understand something. Here it is. We have this expression of the coming of the gospel, John the Baptist. We have a promise they will see his glory. And then suddenly we have this statement about the fact that all flesh is grass. Why? Why is that here? Gang, this is the reason for the comfort. Everybody dies. Everybody dies. The statistics on death are irrefutable. They are undeniable. It is like 99.9% of all people die. The reason I don't say 100% is because, well, Enoch and Elijah, we know they got off a little easier. But everybody else, all of mankind for all of history, everybody who has walked the face of this earth has died or will die unless Jesus happens to come before we go. Death is a certainty. So why is this here at the, at the lead-off of the consolations? Listen, you've got to recognize your need before you can have faith for it. You've got to recognize the need first. This is what God does. He's been doing this through all history. Showing us our need so that we can turn to Him and ask for the need to be responded to, to be filled. I got a, an email from a, a sister who's in college. And she was having a, a kind of a texting conversation back and forth with a friend. And in this conversation, she's just, you can hear her heart breaking, trying to get this friend of hers to believe in Jesus. And the friend is just saying, I understand, I get that that's what you believe. I just don't believe it. Why should I have to believe it? I don't get it. And so she sent me this, this copy of the text. She said, how do I answer this? And I read through it. And I said, you know what? The one thing that your friend is missing, and the reason why they will not come to faith at this point, is they don't recognize their need. They don't know they're sick. They don't know they're dying. They don't know that they are encased by their own sin. You see, the sick needs a remedy. But until we recognize we're sick, we don't know we need a remedy. The helpless begs for rescue, but not until they know they're helpless. 
The sinner pines for redemption, but only when the sinner recognizes they need to be redeemed. And so right here at the beginning of the consolations, God makes it clear. The the grass withers, the flower fades. The Word of God stands forever. But all flesh is grass. Everybody, you're sick and you're dying and you need a remedy. you got to have it. You won't exist without it. God always intended to comfort His people Israel. But before He could bring comfort to Israel, He had to help them see their lost condition. And He's done the same with you and with me. There may be some people here this morning who don't even recognize yet your lost condition, how desperate you truly are. And the Lord will do what He needs to do. Why is the Lord strike? Why does the Lord allow hurt and harm and illness and sickness in the world? Why does He allow these things even to take place if He's a God of love? Because He wants you to see the need. Because unless you see the need, you will not come to Him. You won't grasp hold of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. You won't need it. You're fine on your own. Jesus said in Mark 2.17, It is not those who are healthy who need a physician. It's those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous But sinners, guess what? No one's righteous. And Jesus makes it very clear, I came to call the sinner. You know who the sinner is? It's the righteous or the self-righteous person who realizes they're not so righteous after all. It's the person who recognizes the need. And that's, by the way, why the death of Jesus is so core to the message of the Gospel. When we talk about the gospel of Jesus, the gospel defined is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Why is the death included? Why do we take communion and recognize his death all the time? He is so morbid. Why do we keep doing this? Because death, burial, and resurrection are all three together the good news. Why? Because his death takes the place of yours. When he died, he took away the spiritual death for anyone who will believe in him. He took away that that threat that you would die for all eternity. He said, I will take that myself. And gang, that is worth declaring. And listen, here comes the Gospel. Verse 9. Get yourself up on a high mountain, O Zion, bearer of good news. Lift up your voice mightily, O Jerusalem, bearer of good news. Lift it up. Do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, Here is your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with might. Note that clearly. Isaiah doesn't say a lesser being than God will come with might. Isaiah doesn't say an angel from God will come with might. Or some lesser offspring from God will come with might. He says the Lord God Himself would come. Right? Am I reading that clearly? The Lord God, Yahweh, will come with might. Isaiah says God Himself is going to come. And here's the front of the Gospel, gang. Matthew quotes Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 at the outset of Matthew's Gospel saying, Matthew 1.22, This all took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. The Lord God Himself will come, Isaiah says. The message of the Gospel. It's the heart of the Gospel. Now listen as he goes forward. Because Isaiah proclaimed this gospel long before Matthew did. 
Verse 10 speaks specifically of His second coming. His second coming when He comes to rule. Behold, the Lord God will come with His might, with His arm ruling for Him. Behold, His reward is with Him and His recompense is before Him. Bible students, does that sound familiar? His reward is with Him. His recompense is before Him. Jesus said in Revelation 22, verse 12, Behold, I am coming quickly, and My reward is with Me to recompense every man according to what He has done. What's Jesus doing? Quoting Isaiah, who was, by the way, quoting Jesus. <laughs> Love how that happens. Jesus coming. And in His second coming, He comes mightily. He comes to rule. He comes with power. He comes with His recompense, His reward, the second coming of Christ. But of His first coming, Isaiah says in verse 11, like a shepherd He will tend His flock. In His arm He will gather the lambs and carry them in His bosom. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. And Jesus said, I am the Good Shepherd. John chapter 10. The Good Shepherd lays down His life for the sheep. I am the Good Shepherd. And I know my own, and my own know me, even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will hear my voice and they will become one flock with one shepherd. And by the way, you might note this. If you look at the Psalms, Psalm 22, 23, and 24. Psalm 22, Jesus comes as the shepherd who would die. He he literally is the sheep. Psalm 23, He's the good shepherd. Psalm 24, he's the chief shepherd who comes to rule. Check that out on your own time. Isaiah begins this section of consolations gang with the gospel. With the gospel. That God would come. Yes, he's going to come mightily to rule, but before that he will come as a shepherd to tenderly nurse and care for his people and bring them to the point of salvation. But don't miss this, you followers of Jesus Christ. Listen again to verse 9. Get yourself up on a high mountain, O Zion, bearer of good news. Lift up your voice mightily, O Jerusalem, bearer of good news. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. And the Lord called that out as as the commission of Israel. Bear the good news. Be the light of the world. Share to all people. Your God has come. Somewhere along the line, Israel said, we don't have a need. And so the Lord said, alright, for now, you all are on hold. (laughs) I'm going to give this need to the world. I'm going to help people recognize. Why are we involved in missions? Gang, missions is not an option. It is a mandate. Our involvement beyond this little barn is mandated by Jesus Christ. It is it's not the great suggestion. It's the great commission. And His followers, gang, we are called to go into all the world. Some will go with the message of the Gospel of Jesus out their front door and into work. You will share the message of the Gospel on Whidbey Island or Fidalgo Island. You're called to do so. I'm called to do so. Others will board planes and boats and they will declare the message of the Lord, here is your God, Isaiah says. 
Here is your God. And so, let's not think that something like a Compassion Sunday is just a way to spend time to please the Compassion folks. And let's not think that sending groups off to the Philippines is just a nice thing to do. You know, I wouldn't do it myself, but we'll send a few people. Let's not think that that the younger people especially who keep going off into missions are a little nutty. Let's recognize that this is the mandate. This is why this church, this fellowship is here. Our focus on missions cannot be underestimated. In fact, gang, it's got to increase. The rest of this morning I invite you to listen to several different ways and opportunities that we can take this message into the world. And it begins with compassion. So, Ben, why don't you start off? We're going to have uh, compassion, the focus on this first. Then we're going to listen to some other things. And I'll, I'll uh, lead you in that as we go. So, Ben, it's all yours. Thank you.